0: I'm Nina, a co-founder of the PRISM Awards and the Queer Comics Expo, and program coordinator at the Cartoon Art Museum in wild and crazy San Francisco. And I'm Jessica. I am Banksy. Welcome to the Queer Comics Podcast. Today we're talking about brand new original animations infused with queerness, or as we like to call it, animation fusion. So today we've kind of picked out four animations that have done a, a good or interesting job of including queer representation in them. and. We'll kind of go through those four. Steven Universe, uh, or excuse me, we'll be starting with Adventure Time, then Steven Universe, uh, The Loud House, and Star vs. The Forces of Evil. If you have any suggestions for other animation we should cover, hit the forums, let us know. We'd be happy to get your suggestions. Yeah, and uh, most of them do have comic book spinoffs. Or- yeah, yeah. So well. there's opportunity to do a deeper dive into the fandoms and connect in through comics. Because I work at the Cartoon Art Museum, we kind of can consider comics and animation both cartoons so sometimes i kind of bleed the definition sometimes uh and i say sometimes a lot so you know as, as always we don't have enough time to talk about every single example but uh, stay tuned for future episodes and we'll hopefully hit what you're looking for and like i said before hit the geek therapy network forums i can't say that enough please please go to the geek therapy network forums we'd love to hear from you i'm sure jessica would love to have conversations with you especially if it's about denise from the walking dead uh, <laughs> too soon wah, wah. um sorry all right we'll get back to a more positive spin let's uh let's swing on back to the animation <laughs> Low blow. Sorry, I'm I'm just a jerk. What can I say? So Adventure Time, as far as I can recall, one of the earliest queer representations where it was an honest part of the story in an animation. That was specifically meant for kids you know we did talk about ambiguously gay duo in another show obviously they were out and gay and proud about it but definitely a show meant for adults on saturday night live even though a lot of us grew up watching it as kids but i think that with Adventure Time, they really kind of, you know, step foot in a new space for kids' animation. So in Adventure Time, the the main queer representation that we're going to talk about is between Princess Bubblegum and mm-hmm. Marceline. For anyone that doesn't know, Adventure Time is a series created by Pendleton Ward, and it's got Finn the boy, the human boy, and Jake the dog, who's like a transforming, can become anything magical creature as well. And there's also Princess Bubblegum and her kingdom. Of followers which are all sugary sweets mm-hmm. and then there's Marceline the vampire queen uh, and many many other other characters that are involved but I think that's sort of the premise and I think Marceline has this kind of like dude bro thing with Finn and Jake but she's also kind of a villain and then princess bubblegum Finn have a long ongoing romance crush kind of thing that happens throughout the series and yeah. then eventually there's a slow rollout of of constantly hinting and sort of just sort of showing without telling about this sort of possible queer past between Marceline and Princess Bubblegum that a lot of fans get really excited about including myself yeah and you know the interesting thing about it is that I mean obviously like we as queer people immediately see it as queer but I don't I mean, I don't know if that was the intention from the get-go or if, you know, anticipated people seeing it as because I wasn't sure if they were going for the frenemy thing right away. Yeah, sometimes a producer of content will kind of see a reaction from from the fandom and then based on that reaction, they'll either shy away or they'll lean into something. With stuff at Archie, there have been some instances where The fans are like, "Oh yay, queer representation!" And then Archie's like, "Oh yeah, we totally meant to do that." And sometimes they have entirely planned on doing queer representation, like Kevin Keller. But other times, it's not necessarily something they intended to do from the start. So um, stumble your way into the gay, right? Yeah. (laughs) Um, Hey, but at least you know places that are making content. If a queer fandom gets excited, there are a lot of publishers and places that are leaning into it and saying, "Yeah, let's let's go." with this let's you know they obviously enjoy and want more representation so let's let's go with that Uh, yeah i think the interesting thing about them is that they do try to like have finn Uh, for like for adventure time as a whole oh adventure time as a whole yeah um okay i wasn't sure who the them was sorry sorry i i mean we're talking about adventure time there's an episode in um where finn is trying to he wants to go out with princess bubblegum And then Marceline's like, I'll, yeah, I'll give you some advice. I think it's called Go With Me or or episode 20 in season two. Mm -hmm. So the synopsis is just Jake and Marceline give Finn conflicting advice on how to ask out Princess Bubblegum. So like the whole episode is just Marceline giving him terrible advice on how to woo Princess Bubblegum. And it's hilarious because she's like, tells, she tells him to wrestle her. (laughs) <laughs> so at one point, And so at one point, like, Finn's in the room with Princess Bubblegum, and things are going kind of well, and Marceline, I believe, is watching as a bat, mm-hmm. and just to kind of monitor what's happening, and he puts her in a headlock, and then she, like, kicks him <laughs> out of the Candy Kingdom, and then, like, he keeps going back and doing, like, fucked up stuff. Yeah, because- I think Marceline keeps giving, yeah. like, advice that's very, like, someone struggling to share their emotions, and... Jake the dog is is always giving him, like, ultra-romantic stuff. Yeah. And yeah. then, like, obviously things don't work out. But it's yeah. funny just because at the end of the episode, he's like, oh, maybe I'm into Marceline. And I'm like, no. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I just thought it was funny because Marceline wasn't giving him bad advice on purpose because she was, like, jealous or anything. She's, like, legitimately thought it would work. <laughs> and I just, I always, I just, I thought that was really cool. Well, um, if you have an awkward lesbian experience, a lot of that, that kind of stuff works. Like, the... The friend headlocks? that you just start wrestling with. Well, not headlocks, but, like, wrestling with the friend. Finn was the one wrestling with her, though. So maybe yeah. she was projecting. It literally isn't really until the next season in Season 3, Episode 10, which is the infamous one with the song, you know, yes. I'm Just Your Problem. You know. And which that's... is, uh, we were talking about how that was written by Rebecca Sugar, mm-hmm. who is the infamous creator of Steven Universe, which we'll get there. But so obviously that song is written by a queer creator and infused with all of the queerness. Well, yeah, it's just everything about it. It's it's very clear she's singing about Princess Bubblegum. So I've actually got the lyrics in front of me so I can kind of give our listeners um, some context it? for that. Um, <laughs> Are you going to so- sing it? I'm not gonna sing. No, nobody wants that. Um, not in this context, at least. Yes, recite <laughs> find, it. Find me at camp, and uh, yeah, we'll we'll do some. Are you gonna recite it? Ridiculousness. Recite so- a couple bars. <laughs> I'll I'll spoken word it for you. Ugh, gross. <laughs> Uh, so she starts the song out, you know, and they have to come up with a, a song that's, uh, I think, honest uh, in order to open the gates, if I'm remembering this correctly. Yeah. And um, she starts with, like, you know, the hardcore sort of, like, vampire personality, like, I'm gonna bury you in the ground, I'm gonna bury you with my sound, uh, I'm gonna drink the red from your pretty pink face, which, you know, would be bubblegum. And then bubblegum is like, that's distasteful, And... <laughs> Marceline's like you don't like that or you don't like me <laughs> and Yeah. that she goes in this whole rant of mm-hmm. like oh like sorry I don't treat you like you're a goddess and sorry I don't think you're totally perfect and I don't spoil you and sorry that you know I'm not perfect and sweet and, and those kinds of things although in better lyrical phrasing by Rebecca Sugar obviously uh, and <laughs> <laughs> so, and then she says, you know, I'm just your problem. I'm not even a person. Like, you you don't even acknowledge me. I have to justify myself to you. How did I ever get on your bad side? And then she goes into the last part of the song where she says, um, so why do I want to? Yeah. Yeah, and, and then then that's then... where, like, it drops and every... well, Well, well yeah. so when she says, why do I want to, yeah. the door still works really well. And so that's kind of this emergence of, like, her having like, strong feelings for Bubblegum of, like, despite how they conflict with one another, they still care about each other. Um, And then she gets kind of self-conscious, and then when she returns to the start of the song lyrics, you know, I want to bury you in the ground, drink your blood, and all that stuff, um, that's when the door stops working. Yeah, and I just thought that was interesting, because, like, the whole time she was singing, like, the really the part where it was getting heartfelt, like, everyone, they had, like, a really great shot of all of them listening to her sing. And I was like, nee. <laughs> they're all hella awkward. <laughs> <laughs> they're, yeah. like, oh, they're like, wow. oh, wow. This is happening right now? Uh, should I not be here right now? <laughs> this mm-hmm. seems kind of personal. So so that's kind of the start of the romance. and But the romance is really like this slow burn. Oh um, my God, the slowest of burns. Um, <laughs> but also I think, I believe that is the same episode that uh, the t- it's revealed that Bubblegum sleeps in an old t-shirt that marceline gave her yeah i don't know and, if it's the same episode or not but yeah that's another I it detail was the same episode. it could be maybe it's it a different be. one yeah that's also an interesting detail because that comes out and like they don't really they're like that's the shirt i gave you but nobody like really talks about when the shirt was given or under what circumstances because yeah. it's a cartoon and it's not like the l word where they're gonna go into a whole thing about it and i know um you have ner- the NerdWire recap video, which goes through all of this um, mm-hmm. and was really helpful to kind of connect the dots because it's also really hard to find all the Adventure Time episodes. Yeah, that one really, out of all the things I watched on them, that one broke it down the best. And yeah, uh, I'll, uh, that will be linked in the forum for sure. You know, that that first episode with the song debuted in fall of 2011 mm-hmm. when there really wasn't any other queer content for kids out there which i think attributed a lot to the fact that that romance is a slow burn but i also think that i like the way that they handled it even though it was kind of a tease well the thing with like cartoons is like it's always a friendship it's like, we see it as queer, you know, when we just did She-Ra. And it's like with Catra and um, Adora, right? Yeah. And like, yeah. I don't want to say She-Ra when I mean Adora. I keep yeah. Listening. With Adora and Catra, it's a friendship. But, like, we as, like, older queer people are like, eh, they're friendship. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. You know, okay. It's like, <laughs> yeah, it's like King of the Hill. It's like, I'm all good. I'm I'm all good. I'm all good. yeah, no, that's, it's basically, we can see it. Yeah. Because you don't get that butt hurt about a friend that you don't care that much about. I'm not sleeping in any of my friend's shirts. That's all I gotta say. <laughs> That's certainly true. Not- so yeah, so I th- I think that it was still a well handled story. I don't think that the the possible sort of any pressure for censorship hurt the storyline. It wasn't like an awkward representation because they couldn't be for like upfront with it. I feel like it. They did their best to still make it. A very heartfelt and honest storyline even though it was still like subtext and subtle for the most part well yeah because there's like that whole thing i i mean it's just because it goes on for so long mm-hmm. and it's but there's also like really good you know like when they do start to become friends again you know right because they have to like come back to being friends after the relationship is over but there's also comics for this that are printed by boom studios i believe as part of their Kaboom imprint mm-hmm. so there's an awesome person over at boom uh, shannon waters who is queer herself and has been a huge huge push for queer representation in comics so my bet is that there is romance that's extrapolated on in the comics and from the the snippets that you have in our notes for the show here you know there's thing where they're they're in a kitchen at a table near Marceline's dad, and the dad's saying, and you, you must be Princess Bubblegum. I've heard so much about you. And Marceline, uh, looking horrified while <laughs> Bubblegum looks really yeah. nervous, uh, Marceline says, we, we really got to go, Dad. <laughs> yeah, and then, like, but these were, like, comics, I believe, that came out before the finale. Yeah, I think so. The cues were there for sure, but I don't, mm-hmm. I don't think that anything in the comics before it really cemented that relationship. So, you know, if you want a little bit more with these characters, definitely go back and read them. And yeah, and it seems like there is still some, like, more of those subtle hints building on that relationship throughout. Mm-hmm. So the more content you read, the the more apparent, I think, that queer relationship becomes. And then there's a note here about uh, fan fiction. So I want to toss that ball over into your oh, court, Jessica. yeah, the thing that I discovered. What rabbit hole did you find? Oh, I found the... Uh, the slash ship called Gumly. Which is? Where basically, what the slash is basically a relationship between um, two male characters. They're male versions of Prince, uh, Princess Bubblegum and Marceline. So instead of Princess Bubblegum, it's Prince Gumball and Marshall Lee instead of Marceline. And if I remember correctly from the the little bit that I've seen of the gender swap episodes. So Adventure Time went through and did entire, I think a couple of seasons where all the characters are gender swapped. What? Uh, I did not know that. Yeah. So the the gender swapping is official. I think the romance between Prince Gumball and Marshall Lee is just uh, in the fanfic realm uh as far as i know from the episodes what? i've been why? able to catch marshall lee is in love with fiona i'm so uh, confused who's the now. female version of finn i'm so confused now <laughs> so not know so, that i mean because i didn't watch the whole show i mean i just i'm familiar with the... so they did it like kind of as a, a spin-off um what and... is that why it says there's 12 seasons when i look it up sometimes i'm so confused uh possibly okay but um but yeah so in in itself in the the show in general there's like this whole queerness to it because of the spin-off the official spin-off with all the the gender swapped characters and sort of playing on that idea of mm-hmm. like how much does it change the story change the gender and i know not all the changes that they made are reliant on the gender of the characters but it is very interesting to see as a writer how would you treat a character differently if they were a male character or they instead of being a female character princess bubblegum becoming prince gumball is Mm kind of like it feels like a fanfic name (laughs) that's why i thought it was a slash fic because when i looked it up that's what it appeared as now you know now you know now i know there's a ton of adventure time stuff out there it's pretty much a a closed series animation wise and so really comics are the only space where you'll find anything new. I think they're still publishing adventure time comics. So it's kind of interesting to approach that story after the fact and not as it's unfolding and be able to just like binge watch what you whatever you can get your hands on. Although Cartoon Network is kind of notorious for making it hard to get their series <laughs> when they're not live. Yeah. Which I wish they would not. Like even if you have, like, a cable subscription and you go on their website and you can search by series, they still, for the most part, um, it's still mostly just clips and not full episodes in order for, like, a whole season. I guess they they just want kids tuning in to television still. Or that maybe kids are not watching stuff or not caring if stuff is in order or if they're only seeing a clip here oh, and there. Oh, children don't care. Yeah. They're not like, oh, I can't watch that episode. I've watched... Before I've watched a lot. No, they'll just watch it. All right. Well, it's and also then, um, like tweens and teens, which I think are a little bit more conscious about that. Yeah, I've watched some cartoons with some kids lately. They don't care. <laughs> <laughs> um, Yeah, and then also it's important to note that obviously, like, the episode, I believe it was... It says it's in season nine. I don't know. IMDb, I don't know if it's... It's weird. It's like, it's showing up as season 10, episode 13 yeah stuff is really conflicting now and also seasons used to mean like a year or like the straddled year like the school year is and now it seems like seasons are just like the batches that get put out so you can't really like if something runs for so many seasons that doesn't mean it ran for that many years anymore yeah because like on uh, the fandom page it says that the finale the one where they kiss Mm -hmm. is season 9 episode 13 but on imdb it says it's season 10 episode 13 hmm which is weird so i don't know i don't know what kind of fuckery is going on there <laughs> but the important thing is the episode's called come along with me and it was on september 3rd of 2018 which is the one the series finale where they kissed So since Adventure Time did that first hint in 2011, that that finale being in 2018, Mm -hmm. uh, seven years later, a lot has changed in animation. So we talked about Rebecca Sugar being the one who wrote the I'm Just Your Problem song that kind of started the whole hinting at the Marceline and Bubblegum relationship. And then Rebecca Sugar got to separate out and do her own show, which you may or may not have heard mm-hmm. of called steven universe mm-hmm. um there's actually another podcast on the geek therapy network called just a thought if you are a steven universe fan isn't it called here comes a thought oh here comes a thought i'm mm-hmm. such a, send them to a, I'm different such a dweeb. podcast excuse me mm-hmm. so on the geek therapy network there's a uh, series called here comes a thought if we want more Steven Universe geekdom and really want to super get into that. So we're not going to go nearly as deep as they do. Uh, Obviously, it's the center of their whole show. So we're just going to kind of cover it in a really base level for anyone that just kind of wants to do a quick review or wants to sort of figured out for the, the first time. I know that I took a long time to get into Steven Universe because uh, for quite a while there was a very toxic fandom, mostly from reports of things that were happening on Tumblr, where oh. basically people were who felt represented by the show and marginalized would uh, sort of bully back, which is totally not the point of the Steven like, Universe bully back show. against home like people who are being uh homophobic well the the show does a whole lot of representation outside of queer representation so there's a lot of sort of great body variety types that are represented Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. so um you know if somebody didn't think that your fan art was up to snuff like maybe you made a character a little bit too much on the thin side um then there would just be the, like the tirade of trolls. There's actually reports of people who uh, thought about committing suicide because of the bullying that they got from their version of participating in the Steven Universe fandom. And I just hate that. Yeah. Like, you know, it's like, if someone wants to draw fan art, maybe you don't think it's perfect, but fan art's... I mean, any art's not easy to draw. So even if it looks like crap to you, you can't just tell someone that they drew a character wrong. Like, if, if they felt deeply enough to draw it in the first place i mean maybe just let it go <laughs> like because i mean it takes a long time to draw one character it truly does and to yeah. get characters down yeah and i think that you know it's okay to give feedback you know share that like oh like maybe this character's a little off model maybe it should have more more heft to it to feel like a, the, the real character and or maybe they just them. weren't going for that You know, I've seen drawings of characters from live action television where people just draw like do weird body shapes. And, you know, it's just it's just their way their art looks. It's like, yeah, like they have a style and all the characters end up in that style. Making them look all warped like a Vincent Van Gogh painting or something, you know, whatever. I'm like, if you can do it, (laughs) I'm here for it. So I know that one of the cool things Steven Universe has Uh, done as a a show is they partnered with Dove to create advertisements about bullying in person and online and, uh, you know, self-esteem ads as well. And so I think that they have done a good job since the beginning of that fandom of like trying to do what they can to sort of get everybody on the right footing and truly understanding the message of the show. Mm -hmm. which is you know you don't have to solve things by being mean sometimes you can solve things by being super super nice the thing that I always like about the show is they introduce someone as a villain but then there's usually a way to resolve it in the storyline you know right and god who just who just paired up end up shacking up within that barn the blue the water lady I'm (laughs) totally blanking on her name (laughs) Um, you know who I'm thinking of yeah I know who you're thinking of the one who tries to steal all the water Lapis Lazuli thank you yeah. Okay. So yeah, I I, I particularly liked when a uh, lapis and a um, paradot ended up shacking up together in the barn. You know, because yeah. they were they went from being super villains to being like these redeemable characters. You know, and that's kind of like a common theme that they have throughout Steven Universe, which I like because it kind of reinforces the fact no matter like how bad you are, it's like it, it actually gets into the core of it. Like characters aren't just evil because. For the sake of being evil, there's usually like a deeper root to it that you have to get to, you know. And that like everything's contextual and even good guys do things that that may be seen as terrible in retrospect. And, you know, even if they're fighting like a big mega monster fight, that that doesn't usually resolve the situation. It's usually what happens once they're able to have a chance to use conversation. (laughs) Mm-hmm. as their their way to actually achieve victory when they were going up against uh, white diamond uh, right oh yeah in the spoiler finale. for the most recent episode or Sorry, most recent for season. the last episode of the most recent season so if you <laughs> care deeply about that and you don't want me to say anything just go la 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 yeah. la uh because uh yeah because steven's like i don't want to fight i just want to talk Mm-hmm. you know yeah, like, yeah, he says that over and over again. Yeah, and I, and I, I feel like, like that. actually that's not too much of a, a spoiler. That's he says that, I mean, I think Steven. that's his, his general way of dealing with things, which is mm-hmm. nice, you know. Yeah. And I, I just like that, like, that's really all he really wanted to do. And in the end, that kind of ends up solving the whole situation. Not everyone wants to sit down and talk, so you, sometimes you have to do stuff to get someone to a point where they're willing to yeah. not be feisty and willing to listen. Wow. Oh, I see. But why are you making us make cat tones? <laughs> yeah. um, cuz I said feisty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the the big thing for the Steven Universe series is that all of the so there there's Steven who is the the For right now, we'll say byproduct because it gets really complicated of one of the crystal gems and the crystal gems come from an entirely different part of the galaxy. There was a huge war. Earth was like an outpost that they were cultivating, like a, a colony, and then that war was to try to gain independence and not have it be a colony of the of the gems and their society and their way of doing things and all the gems are always referred to as she which is really interesting i was actually at the at the zoo today and i observed that almost any time i heard somebody talk about an animal that was on exhibit mm-hmm. they almost always referred to it as he and so i, I knew would that I would very casually be like, oh, is that a he? Does it say? Kind of be nice. I didn't usually say it directly, but I would just kind of ask it out loud. And then I would be like, oh, let me check. (laughs) I guess just being passive aggressive at the zoo to strangers. Oh, my God. Uh, Lara and I love using the zoo as a way of doing sort of like social observation because of how many families are there. I just imagine you guys being super obnoxious about it. Like, is it (laughs) a he? we're not is we're it, not like that is oh it, it a he <laughs> is it um, a he but like it's, it's interesting and the family just walk away <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting because like we also have observed for several years that it's it's really bizarre like you can see kids and you don't necessarily know what gender they are from, like if you're walking behind them, mm-hmm. but we were almost always able to tell because all of the, or not all of, but like many of the girls that were brought to the zoo, mm-hmm. kids, uh, were wearing bright pink or purple, mm-hmm. and most of the boys were wearing dark blue and and dark red, mm-hmm. and so you know that's just the the nature of children's clothing. I mean, it's the nature of children too. Like honestly. I hated pink i hated pink so bad as a kid <laughs> i mean yeah well you're a gay <laughs> i mean i didn't care for pink either i know but, i know lots but of i have i work. have a pink shirt yeah, but yeah. like, I like I, i've also seen like boys who like freak out anytime like any like and they're younger boys who are like around i'd say the between the ages like five and eight who like freak out about you know being anything associated with a girl yeah. you know Although, like oh that's a girl thing no i know a lot of <laughs> um young boys yeah. who have seen the captain marvel movie who are, mm-hmm. are like i want to be captain marvel yeah. for halloween good and so I should be that, there's there's encouragement yeah no there is yeah but i just like there's still like this whole i don't know where they learn that but yeah. i think there is like you can't really help it sometimes with kids you know yeah sometimes they'll they'll dive they'll like like Hold on to it to, with a death grip, even if the adults around them keep telling them that they don't need to worry about that. Exactly, but that, that can is, be yeah, yeah. A whole conversation. Yeah, I'm not. Um, okay. sorry, did, did you have any last remarks about what, what were the? I don't know. Let's move on. Okay. <laughs> about, um, about you guys harassing people at the zoo. <laughs> yes. I don't know so so the so the nice thing with uh, Steven universe is that despite having a, a male protagonist just about uh, like the majority of characters are she and she seems to be the default Mm -hmm. gender pronoun that's used on the show and so it was kind of refreshing in a very like small act that just happens over and over again Mm -hmm. it's just kind of nice to be immersed in a world where he is not the default and that's Mm -hmm. not to be discriminatory towards men in any way it's just an interesting way to set up world building and kind of get everybody to see this world in a different light i think well there are there are like really good supportive like male characters on the show like Uh, Yeah, yeah. I I know there's a lot of great male representation. Yeah, Yeah. and then uh, Stephen's dad is phenomenal. I I love that guy. All I can think about when I think about him is his hair, (laughs) because he's got that glorious bald and mullet. I guess. Yeah, Yeah. I guess it's just a. Yeah, he's a bald. But it's just the party in the back. (laughs) Parte. Yeah, the love triangle between Pearl, Greg, and uh, Rose. Yeah. Like so that. so Rose is Stephen's mom, so. and that that gets revealed later in the series. Like you know about Greg and Rose, but then yeah, the the episodes where you start to learn that Pearl had this relationship with Rose as well, uh, and all these unresolved feelings about how Greg stole her away, mm-hmm. uh, stole Rose Rose away from Pearl, um, and those like rough feelings that she like never has an outlet for for dealing with. Poor Rose. She just needs to find her. Yeah. Just when you think Pearl is just salty, just because she's salty, it really struck me how early on in the series that was brought out. Yeah, you know, and I, I really appreciated that. I mean, it was, hmm. it was just well, just because I wasn't expecting it, I was like, I felt like it was pretty late in the series. Was it? I um, thought it was in season one with uh, Pearl and uh, Pearl and no, no, not with them having like a full blown relationship. Well, no, no, they don't have a full bone relationship, but I think they drop hints about Pearl and Rose early on in the series. Like, yeah. they do address it more as the series goes on, but they definitely establish that like, Pearl says things in the first season that kind of hit at, like, how she felt about Rose. And, like, oh, she's clear... After... Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, I mean there are things more that are more direct going forward, but I know mm-hmm. that I know for a fact, because I, like, started watching the first season, and I could tell I was like, oh, she's jealous. I know that because I was sort of, well, Mm -hmm. because I was binging the show Mm -hmm. that I was watching things, you know, watching things one after another, Mm -hmm. I was able to really build the universe Mm -hmm. in my head and and get a real good sense for the characters. And so Mm -hmm. Lara and some of our other friends Mm -hmm. would... Kind of want updates on what my theories were about mm-hmm. the series going forward, and I oh, actually okay. predicted a lot of stuff that they themselves oh, okay. said they they never saw coming. Oh, okay, so I'm I'm really surprised that mm-hmm. I didn't I didn't catch that one. But well, because was... like they she. Cause she's like she's kind of mean to Greg in the fir- in the first season. Yeah, but she was salty to everybody. Yeah, felt. but it was different because <laughs> A special she, kind but of. But when you like t- when you it, but when she goes from talking about Rose and you know who Rose is, like mm-hmm. Rose is, you know Steven's mom, and then she's like extra mean to Greg when she doesn't need to be. I mean, come on. Yeah, like yeah. it's that to me. I was like, I totally got that. I was like, she mad. <laughs> she mad. obviously there's that you know I believe it was the season where they go on the trip because uh, Greg gets all that money Mm-hmm. yeah it was the And oh yeah yeah and they, yeah. they're in the hotel and-, and Pearl sings that song that like oh my god like ripped my heart out it's yeah. it so sad but that's when like it really comes together like when they go on that trip and yeah, I my just, high school self like I, I just like mm-hmm. bonded back with my high school self about <laughs> <laughs> Losing people to other people. Unrequited love, it's, you know, might as well have been my master's degree. <laughs> um, so, Aww. yeah. The the other thing that really fantastic queer-wise is that if you're familiar with Dragon Ball at all, you might be familiar with their fusion dances to gain power. And uh, so this kind of pulls from that concept anime and so in order to form more powerful gems two individual gems or more will fuse to become like a whole new character and so that sort of is a stand-in for being direct about these being lesbian relationships or queer relationships or just queer yeah yeah i'm getting all choked up are you (laughs) (laughs) are you really Uh, not really not really are you just thirsty I'm just thirsty. Wait, what? <laughs> so I love you, wife. I love you. <laughs> All right. So, lies. So whenever they do a fusion they turn into a more uh, a stronger version of themselves but you have to have like a true bond in order to fuse and they do dances to fuse together and sometimes that's what's like at a high school dance like kids are just trying to fuse themselves into one another so it's interesting like what characters they choose to be able to fuse and and how they sort of express the relationships that they have uh, with the fusion dances and I know for a while they kind of didn't do as many of the the dances kind of once they show you there is one they'll just kind of be like off screen okay now we're gonna fuse boom and then just the other character appears um, but you can always see from the in the fusion all of the gems from that are the original ones that fuse together to become the new one you can see all of those gems and so for anybody who hasn't watched the series, this may be a spoiler, just giving you a heads up, but Garnet has two gems, but you're introduced to Garnet as like one of the three crystal gems. Mm-hmm. And so it's revealed later that Garnet is a fusion of like super intense love between Ruby and Sapphire, and that they their love is so intense that instead of just fusing for the purpose of being able to do something they couldn't before they would rather stay fused as much as possible rather than be separate individuals so that like garnet is the embodiment of like this super intense like queer love story and i know that really hits a lot of people hard in the in the feels in the feels well yeah and i also just like because uh Garnet can still fuse with other people as Garnet. Yeah. Because of how strong the connection is between those two gems. And I... That was just really, that's, that was just really sweet. And it, it's also, like, it seems so it, it not just has, like, fusions between two gems, but fusions between more and more gems. And later in the series, on Homeworld, which is the the gem planet, spoiler, there's at least one that has, I, I think, it, I think they, they say at one point, like, that they've lost count of how many gems they are fused together. And so there's this touch on polyamory. And so that, it's really interesting that they go beyond just, like, Lesbian and gay, which I think a lot of representation and animation is still kind of stuck at, so um, that's that's cool that's really that's awesome that's all I'm saying I know uh yeah, and then like <laughs> the thing is um uh uh there is also like a weird censorship aspect to the um dancing that you mentioned, right? Yeah. Yeah. uh, I think there's like a, I found the episode, so it's called, we need to talk and that one's in season two. So that's probably like the first direct one that meant that really goes into how Pearl was jealous. And that's the first time they show her uh, fusing with Rose and Mm. while Greg's like playing in his band. So it's like a flashback. Yeah. And like in the UK version, they cut out, like there's like this glance that Pearl has, with Greg, like, right before they fuse, that kind of cements that it's kind of like a... A jealousy you know, thing? Well, the thing is... Or, like, a, I'll show you how connected yeah, I am. exactly. And yeah. they cut out that one little moment, and it really changes the scene, because it looks like they're just dancing, and then they fuse. You know? Whereas mm-hmm. uh, in, the USA, in the U.S. cut, you get the look, so then it's clear that Pearl is rubbing it in his face at that moment. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It, I was I was really curious. I, I had an inkling that even the dancing itself was a way of censorship. Not not to mention like the looks and other things that go around it, of uh, so that you, they don't have to directly talk about these things as being queer relationships. They're just them I mean, fusing for power, you know. Yeah, like you can look at it as censorship. I actually think it's kind of genius because it still <laughs> plays very like romantically. Like even mm. when like Garnet and Pearl fuse for the first time, watching that scene was like heart wrenching. Yeah. Because like Pearl but wanted it, it a connection. But it allows it to be more subtext. Yeah. So it's it's yeah. is it cool because it's the show don't tell or is it um disappointing like it. because it's not? I don't find it disappointing. I don't find it disappointing because I don't think characters need a kiss to have a connection. And yeah. it's like that's why like when characters like. Like, honestly, the first time Pearl, um, fused with Garnet, like, that meant, like, that meant a lot to her. hmm And, or, because... Oh, yeah, I remember how, like, yeah. She's like really?
1: really? Yeah, and then that <laughs> moment was so
0: sweet. And I was like, oh my... And then, like, there's that whole episode where she basically is just make like, creates this whole situation just so Garnet will keep fusing with her and then, you know, um... Which is yeah addiction and relationships. Yeah, <laughs> uh, so I thought that was cool, but it's like I, I think it's a good way to you know demon you know demonstrate like that you know it's not like Garnet and Pearl have like a romantic relationship, but there is like a very intimate act in the fusing. But I think that was just like a real genius thing that they created for the show. Yeah, I so, I like that it also allows people of all different beliefs and backgrounds to be able to kind of discuss it as relationships between people and not around like sexuality mm-hmm. per se or like being a sexual thing because I think for so much it just like the the conversation devolves <laughs> when that becomes the focus of it yeah because there's uh, a lot of different gems can fuse it's all about their relationship and how healthy it is or how close they are to each other yeah. you know and so it's like if you're enemies with someone and you hate each other you're never going to be able to fuse with them and have a connection yeah so it promotes being close to people having healthy relationships all and good then things. they they do show that the ability to diffuse under the wrong circumstances yes. kind of with later much later in the show another spoiler mm-hmm Where lapis lazuli and she's another garnet. I do. I do think it's interesting that the stronger the connection between gems, the more human-like their fusion form is. If they have like kind of like a loose connection, they're they're not quite as human. Like they'll have maybe a couple extra arms or hands for legs, like arms for legs instead of. Feet, you know, they'll still be powerful, but I do like that there was some thought put into that, you know, mm-hmm. and yeah, I think- like the design of the character they become based on the relationship that the fusing characters or gems have, yeah. So they have elements of each part of the fusion, but if there isn't like a very strong bond, then they're not gonna that they're gonna appear less. I don't want to say normal with Garnet, nobody thought Garnet was a, a fusion because Garnet looks has two arms, two legs, and looks fairly regular yeah like it's just meant to be that way at least from our experience of the beings that we deal with yeah and that just means (laughs) that garnet has that strong of a relationship that you know like she's normal i I know there's a lot of theories about that kind of stuff online i found a good tumblr blog on it so so the the negative version of that fusion is represented later in the show when lapis lazuli traps Jasper, jasper who's like the has like the yellow gem Yeah, it's really kind of like bulldogish. yep yep i remember jasper and so it's like that she fuses with jasper and jasper kind of becomes the the domineering personality all right yeah until lapis kind of says no and sort of traps her within themselves sorry yeah no i just finished up the last season so i was like forgot about uh you know I, that's the mode my head's in but yeah you're right i remember all that stuff with jasper talk about toxic relationships yeah uh. yeah <laughs> yeah so they do they do show the the gamut of like good to terribly toxic mm-hmm. and I, th- I think that's really interesting to be able to to look at through narrative mm-hmm. and to look at through a narrative that's very queer identified you know yes instead of just seeing it as like the the troubled queer romance and there's only one kind Yeah, no, it's varying degrees Full show. So, yeah, so we highly recommend for you to to see Steven Universe, which I I always just want to call the Crystal Gem Show. (laughs) Right? I also, and um, there is an ongoing um, comic series from, also from Boom Studios. Yep. So it's uh, written by uh, Melanie uh, Gillum, or Gilman. Gilman yeah Melanie Gilman and then uh, oh dang I didn't realize she does she has a lot of other great queer uh content in comics check her out and then uh the art Katie Farina and then the cover art by Missy Pena awesome so I I I feel bad that I don't know those uh creators that well I'm I'm gonna have to brush off my honestly it's just like can add in some more context yeah no for sure they're like the cover and is incredible it's like yeah. It's beautiful. So I think that's probably... Steven Universe is my... Uh, strongest recommendation and in the later series you know they do talk a lot more openly about garnet's relationship there's spoiler 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 la la Mm -hmm. la 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 keep doing that Mm -hmm. there's a wedding that happens that episode was really pivotal and important and i think um you know at that point there was kind of still pushback of like is it queer is it not queer and i think that episode just says like yes this -hmm. is queer shut your face (laughs) oh yeah for sure yeah but uh it's interesting that the censorship that you found with the uk versus like other parts of the world where it's even less acceptable and so i know that some of those places don't even have access to the cartoon at all or i'm you know i'm curious if it's if it's an even more strict censorship against queer content and you have that show how the heck would you edit it to take all of that out because like the like You kind of said the the dances where they become fused feel very uh, romantic in and of themselves. Yeah, it was very deliberate, the edit, you know? Yeah. Obviously, the fight scenes, you know, that aren't sexual, but, like, just for violence purposes, they'll add, like, a flash of white to, you know, make it easier to cut out, like, punches and stuff Hmm. that they deem, or just, like, body hits, because the fights are pretty in-depth sometimes. Yeah. And I just thought that was interesting because when I was looking up censorship for the show, I wasn't expecting that. I was like, it's not even that bad. And I will say mm. one of the other things I enjoy about the show is even though it's an, like an action show, mm-hmm. they'll do like some action episodes and then they'll kind of do some slice of life episodes. Mm-hmm. And those are always super, super enjoyable. They're just as good, if not better, than the, the action storylines that they have in the show. Yeah. I'm like, who? what's the name of the girl who's in love with Lars? I'm like blanking on her name. Right. Oh, Sadie. Sadie, yeah. The episode yeah. With Sa- where Sadie becomes a rock god is one of my favorites. Yeah. She's, yeah. <laughs> that was like, She's oh my god. She's definitely gosh. one of my favorite characters, too. Yeah. yeah. I don't want to go on forever about that. We've mentioned before on the Geek Therapy Network, there's another show called Here Comes a Thought. Mm-hmm. You know, check it out. I think you'll be able to recognize it on the network from their, the design for their podcast uh, pretty quickly. You'll be like, yep, that's the thing. And uh, I think you'll have some uh, enjoyable moments with that podcast if you're a fan of uh, Steven Universe. So the other shows that we want to touch on, um, I think, kind of quickly, they're they're much sort of more recent or much uh, shorter in their representation on the shows, but I still think that they're super important. So we had Adventure Time, which had the first queer appearance in 2011, and that slow burn. Then we had episode one of Steven Universe, Queer Right Out the Gate, in 2013. And then for a while, Steven Universe is kind of like just blazing this trail, at least in the U.S., as the the queer show. And then in 2016, another show on Nickelodeon called The Loud House, which is sort of based... It has a design that's kind of based on the classic Sunday Fuzzy fuzzies... okay (laughs) it has a design that's based on the classic sunday funnies and it like wizard of It or beetle bailey or you know like the the really old school stuff like you know garfield and very sort of like simplistic and with like specific sort of hatching techniques that harken back and i think it came from you know the the creator's love of that and so the series had been running for a while and then in 2016 they had this big to do because they were including one of the the main characters best friend Clyde they were gonna have an appearance for Clyde's two gay dads I guess you can still have one gay dad <laughs> you can you can. can who are Howard and Harold McBride and they really I think that first episode that they appear it's during the the main character for the show is trying to have a slumber party and it's just nothing is going right and the only time you see Howard and Harold are right when they drop off Clyde at the beginning and then later in the show at the at the end of the sleepover and so it they really they don't have their own storyline it's just they're there they are characters that exist in this universe and they're not making a big deal out out of it they're not centering a whole storyline on it and you know sometimes you know i i would like a little bit more content or a little bit more screen time for them but i think for nickelodeon this is a nickelodeon show now instead of cartoon network which the previous two shows are that for nickelodeon this was their first you know dipping of their toes in the queer pool so they i wonder for them if they needed to make it something that they could also edit out for censorship reasons um i don't know or just to be like oh yeah that happened and then we'll move on if it doesn't go over well you know but i think it it got a lot of praise for that representation and so later in 2017 they did another episode called l is for love and in which um, the main character's sister, Luna Loud, has a sort of has a has a girl romance with Sam Sharp, who's another character at the high school, and I think it's just like cute and well done. And then so they have that as a as an ongoing thing, I believe, in the cartoon going forward. And I don't think that the that Clyde's dads have gotten like a whole lot more screenplay or screen time because the show is most is about the siblings in the mm-hmm. loud house yes um, and i can confirm it is very loud <laughs> <laughs> i remember i i remember when i was visiting my um father in new york or uh, my father and my stepmom i was staying at their house with my siblings and they're younger so they're and they put on the loud house it was and it was, it was loud <laughs> It was loud. <laughs> so I wasn't paying attention to it. Now I kinda wish I had. Because <laughs> for all well, I know well, that could have well, been happening. Could've been could've Yeah. Been. But yeah, so I, I think it's um you know, for kids media it's also a step forward just to have the those characters exist in their universe that are, mm-hmm. you know, we're we're here, we're queer and not necessarily having to put themselves front and center. But just acknowledging that these kinds of people exist in the world that kids are growing up in nowadays yeah. and, then and the, that they're yeah. perfectly normal, fine human beings. Yeah, and the cool thing about like the L is, L is for love episode is that they don't reveal to the end that the crush is a girl. Oh, the yeah, man. yeah, because like, the, the love note just has, it says L loud. So the yeah. whole time they're trying to figure out like who it's from and also Sam mm-hmm. is a is a name that could go to either gender as well. Yeah, and I'm actually, because I haven't... I'm like, I get so confused with these characters. I'm like, Sam, uh, or Luna Loud is, has the dark hair, correct? Yeah, she's like the rock star kind of character. And she's the one who puts the note no, in the locker, correct? I just want to make yeah, sure. Okay, yeah, so yeah, basically, I like, the so. whole episode, her siblings are trying to get convince her to, you know take the next step to figure out if her crush likes her and then at the end but and they're using the name sam and then you know everyone just you assume it's a guy yeah because you see her looking at a group of people and there's one girl two guys and you're like oh of course it's one of the guys is sam but now at the end of the episode you see the same group of people but the locker belongs to the girl If you know anything about storytelling if you're trying to point out a character and it was a a guy in a group Mm -hmm. you'd always make it like Although, it's weird, because if it was one guy and two girls mm-hmm. that I was talking to, it would probably seem more like a, oh, they're my competition mm-hmm. stuff, so, ah yeah. throw, throw my theory out the window. Sure. <laughs> but, uh, I, I just like that reveal, I was, like, at the end of the episode, because they hype it up the whole episode, and then everyone really, who's watching, really wants to know, and then it's like, it was a girl the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> Booyah. Yeah. <laughs> She gave. She gave. Let's bring that back. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, let's retire that. Um, no. no, I love that. I love that. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. So. I, I think that was a good step in the right direction. I kinda have to go back and watch more of those episodes. I, I love comics and I love that the show incorporates, you know, that comic style into mm-hmm. it. The the opening for the every episode kind of looks like the Sunday Funnies comic and has like the the big panel with the title which is known as a throwaway panel mm-hmm. because depending on what paper you were being printed in if they did or did not have enough room for that they would throw it away if they didn't so it just had to be this like illustrative title thing but they use that as their title card for each episode kind of harkening back to sunday funnies which some kids know about but most mm-hmm. kids do not <laughs> so it goes totally over their heads but the the other show so we have you know the other two shows sort of progressing, and then we have 2016 with uh, Howard and Harold, Clyde's gay dads, and then in 2017, Luna Loud uh, sort of it comes out of the closet, but not like in a in a tortured queer way, just in a oh she's interested in a girl way, okay. And then for 2017, there's also in the show Star versus the Forces of Evil, we see some background characters at a dance where everybody is kissing and in various shots there are characters where it's two boys kissing or two girls kissing and so that was their first kind of foray into representation and they didn't make it part of the story like at all so that was kind of an interesting it was a big deal because it's associated with disney Yeah, yeah, and that's a, yeah, so Star is a force of evil, um, it's also a Disney show, so people are like, Mm -hmm. oh my god, Disney, they're queering it up now. Uh, Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like when I was working at Archie, uh, when we developed Kevin Keller there, we got a lot of responses back where the queer community was like, well, if Archie can do it, anybody can queer, like, because Archie was seen as sort of this, like, sort of Midwestern couple decades back uh, in terms of their references and the way that the kids lived in that universe so if that sort of safe quote-unquote space for Americana was willing to introduce a queer character then it should be easy for anybody to do but that was back in 2010 so like long before any of these episodes aired queer Mm. content Blazing Trails. So so there was the, the episode in 2017 with the just background same-sex couples kissing. Well, I think and it was just a same-sex sex. No, no, no. There, there's there's more. more. So there's there's a scene where they pan. Yeah. And in that scene where they pan, it's a um, seemingly male representing, two male characters representing queer Yeah, I saw uh, the one kiss. with the mustache. Yeah. yeah. And then when there's another scene where they're kind of like in the bleachers. Mm-hmm. And I freeze-framed it so that I could look through and there's um, at least two sort of male seemingly represented queer couples kissing and then at least one uh, lesbian couple, at least from looking at at cartoon gender, which is mostly like eyelashes and like the little boob bump. You see the amount of work we have to do (laughs) to find our queer. Like, like, it's literally like, are we analyzing the Zakuda film right now? Like, come on. (laughs) like no i please framed it and if, if you look at like their headers turned at a 90 degree angle towards their other head so therefore by default of rainbows they're kissing and i'm it's like queer. but like this is the amount of effort we have to put in to find this crap so you know an- animation is a huge financial yeah. investment mm. and so i'm sure the studios are concerned about making sure that they don't quote-unquote make anyone feel uncomfortable can you feel how exasperated and sarcastic that is like are you comfortable watching this cartoon do you want us to get you a coffee (laughs) and so they they start with these subtle ways but then Mm. you know thankfully i mean it only took about two years but in 2019 there was an episode where um the main character star and marco Mm. travel to a dimension in which he turns into this like super buffed out sort of um fury road kind of character mm-hmm. um even though it's sort of a medieval That's
1: place fine. but he's That's like fine. a medieval
0: biker dude bring it on, bring it on. Uh, with super abs and as they they're deciding whether or not to go on the adventure he's like oh but it's really dangerous and she's like but think of the abs. <laughs> and she gets, like, kind of uh, clumped about it. And then, once they travel to the universe, uh, they actually run into Rosetta, who is kind of like a barbarian princess, somewhat Xena-seeming to me, because that's my frame of reference. I know. Character. any Anytime a queer woman sees, like, a Xena-like character, we're like, oh, Xena. And then <laughs> But uh, although people who the younger generation might just be like oh alexa uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know either or yeah whatever uh, works for you yeah that's just, like i said that's just my frame of reference no, and, and you know i yeah 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 <laughs> so when brusetta shows up at first it i'm not i don't quite buy uh, mm-hmm. that it's necessarily queer mm mm-hmm she's definitely enamored and i was like maybe female role model enamel enamored enameled (laughs) i don't feel it as like romantically envisioned and then there's a moment as they're traveling through this world where they're on horseback and marco's up front and then she's got uh, star has her arms around marco kind of like clutching his abs Mm -hmm. Um, and she has this lovey-dovey moment where, like, her cheeks get really bright red, and then they they go to a a look of him, and then a look of her, and then there's this huge, like, shoujo manga romance, like, pink and blue and bubbles, and and there's no, like, denying that this is a romantic moment for her. Mm -hmm. And then they cut back, and then they do the same thing with her and Brusetta, so... It's like an unequivocal saying of like these her feelings about Marco and Brusetta are equal cuz they're representing them in exactly the same way. Okay. That's fair. I so. Yeah, no, I mean, I get it, but like uh that's okay. Okay. I well, mean, what's you have what's your hesitation there? Well, no, I mean, I just understand why you had hesitation cuz it is like, you know, the way that people get enamored with people in cartoons can sometimes just be over the top in general when people are mm-hmm. have admiration so but uh, I, c- I can see that as, you know, bisexual. That's- I just love that they, they didn't have that one little moment and that they really mm-hmm. made it clear in the cartoon. Because mm-hmm. when I was looking it up, because I knew there was representation, but I hadn't seen it when it originally aired. And so when I was trying to figure out what episodes to watch through, the articles were like, fans define this as being bisexual. Exactly. And so I was like, okay, well, let me see, like how much do they give in which the fans... Buy it as uh, rep- bisexual representation. I mean, but that's just like, honestly, any queer rep, sometimes, in, especially in cartoons, we have to chisel away at everything else just yeah. to get down to it. And so it, it's like a needle in a haystack. Or a needle in a is- gay stack. I don't know. Whatever <laughs> you want to call it. Or a need- I like needle in a needle- the- No, more like a needle in a straight stack. Uh yeah. But I like needle in a gay stack. Yeah. uh, I wanna wanna be the needle in that stack. Do we? Um I don't wanna be a needle. I don't aspire to be a needle. (laughs) Um I want people to find however you want to take that. I want people to find me. Fine. Be that way. But I I love that transition for Star vs the Forces of Evil where like in twenty seventeen, like you were saying before, like we had to just totally like hunt it down. And then in 2019, they were just like, yeah, you don't, you don't have to like freeze frame it. We're just going to make this super clear. Yeah, and that, that, that's I'm glad they did that because you need that moment. Because that's the thing that people can't argue with. And, the, and I, I do know there are Star vs. the Forces of Evil comics. We'll link to all of them. Loud House had some comics in 2017, but I haven't been able to find anything after that. But I don't know how queer they are. But if you're interested in the Loud House comic stuff... Yeah. yeah, it's it's harder, like Marvel and DC are both going to these massive subscription services where, you know, you pay that monthly fee and you have access to pretty much everything, maybe not the last six months, mm-hmm. but you have access so you can, you know, do the research and find the issues and read through them and um, be better prepared for doing podcasts. Mm-hmm. And then, you well, know, unfortunately... Other publishers have not done the same thing, and so it's it's often harder to find the the content to be able to do as much research as we would like to do. Well, I mean, research. I, for me, like, I don't know. I I feel like in the case of Loud House, I doubt their comic was uh, yeah. as queer. I mean, the show, and I I can't speak for the last one, but um, Adventure Times got so much content. Yeah, um, and being from yeah. Kaboom, knowing that. They have clearance from higher-ups, Shannon Waters, to, mm-hmm. you know, queer that, queer that high Yeah, it's just, like, most of the comics five. I've read based <laughs> off TV shows have been, like, it's usually, like, stuff that I'm really super into. Like, the finding those Green Arrow spin-off comics and uh, Orphan Black, you know. Yeah. Uh, and, and sometimes it's a space where they can queer things up more, like Legend mm-hmm. of Korra. And oh, sometimes yeah. it's something where they have to be holden to the the original producer of the content as a licensee and they can't go that direction with it if the original uh licensor will not approve it well because like i don't know if we mentioned this but steven universe just uh became like the first animated show to win a glad kids and family award oh super yeah big yeah. news that just so happened. we definitely wanted to stop and pause and share that news for sure yeah so should we do should we do like an applause for that i can just add the sound effect no i i don't need your hands <laughs> do you want But i want my hands to be in it uh, i'm not gonna applaud <laughs> that's so we're just using that yeah no i think that's like super cool because they just added it in 2018 that category and then surprise even universe one it's like yeah (laughs) that was i mean that was kind of an easy choice for them because it is so outspoken so it'll be Mm interesting i think it'll be more interesting to see what other shows get that award in the future yeah it was funny because Anne with an e was on there the new Anne of green gables hmm right (laughs) is yeah i thought that was funny. i was like peculiar yeah well it's a kid's show yeah you know it's great that not only are these shows becoming more prevalent but that they're getting acknowledged in you know in very public and powerful ways through getting you know a new category in the glad awards you know it just it just shows that things are maybe moving forward a little bit and so we have something to be uh, hopeful about do we <laughs> No, I'm uh, you're talking to a pessimist over here but uh No, yeah, certainly, I mean, they wouldn't have been pushed to add that category if there wasn't actual content for them to categorize. Yeah, and obviously there is way more queer content to show than just lesbian or gay relationships and you know I think Steven Universe does start to delve into that and a lot of the other shows have not um so there's still plenty of room for growth and for making sure that animation can be inclusive of the entire queer community but I do I do appreciate that there there's a start and so I hope that that means that that room for improvement will will get filled and hopefully sooner rather than later but who knows? Something happening here. It looks <laughs> like it's kind of queer. <laughs> Please include that. Don't put that at all. <laughs> That's phenomenal. I know. Okay. You're phenomenal. Oh, all right. God. Well, thank you. <laughs> thank
1: so you is there listening.
0: no, uh, no uh, special task at the end of this episode? Oh, damn. Yeah, uh, I think there is, but I totally... Uh, forgot about that. Uh, oh, damn! Make your elevator pitch for a future queer <gasps> TV cartoon. Oh my god, I'm so unprepared. Um, <laughs> no, that's actually not a bad one. Oh, do you want to go first? Shit. Oh wait, mine. Okay, mine might be super bitter. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Go for it. Yeah. Um, oh god, mine just comes from a place of complete fandom bitterness. Does it have to be a kids' cartoon? Because that might be the deciding factor of whether or not I... Well, what do you think needs to be out there as an animation? Oh, shit. Okay, well, does that have to be serious then? Because, like, is um, is Steven Universe... A, like, it, it is a kid's cartoon, mm-hmm. but it's not. It's a kid's cartoon. It's suitable for kids, but adults can enjoy it too. Well, I guess my joke answer... Are you saying yours would be more like Adult Swim? Mine would be weird. <laughs> uh, its own thing. Just tell us. Tell us what you got. Okay. Well, it it would be like kind of like fan fiction. Shocker, a character that uh, time travels from their own universe to go save queer characters that have died on other TV shows. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of awesome. I think that would make an amazing addition to like Adult Swim. Well, you could like, like you could even but, um, just uh, like or even like a, a fan who ends up like in a TV universe and then decides to save all their favorite characters. Is this at all inspired by Walking Dead? It's very inspired by Walking Dead. <laughs> How did I know? Sad panda. I think that it would be really cool. To get a queer TV cartoon in which it was a lot like Doug or Recess or a school scenario Mm. with kids. Oh, like Hey Arnold. Or Hey Arnold. Yeah. Yeah. Which I I was kind of, that was not quite my age range for some reason. Isn't that? Hey Arnold always bothered me. Oh, yeah. Um, Football him. But I think, was his friend's name Gerald? Yeah. Uh, I was like, Gerald. Gerald was cool. Everybody Mm -hmm. else felt really annoying. Oh, I liked it, but uh, so like a show like that, but with queer more like c- clear queer content. Yeah, so like a a teen school drama as an animated TV cartoon in which, like maybe it would be I don't even know if they call them GSAs anymore, mm. but maybe it would be a show that was centered on all the kids that were in the GSA. I kind of hope they still do because that's yeah. Not well, a bad like, I just don't know if they call it a Gay Straight Alliance anymore. Mm. Or if they call it something else now. They could just call it the GSA. Yeah. The show could just be called GSA. Yeah. There you go. Like, it's basically like the Justice League. For gay <laughs> Pretty much. Pretty much. Maybe they are superheroes. They are. In their own the yeah. way. Yeah. In the- <laughs> it's true. It's true. Any kids that are, like, putting it forward to be in the GSA and learn how to be communicators and educators for the queer community and to fight for equal treatment and representation that's totally totally in the hero category and and the sequel to paint it forward putting it forward (laughs) putting it forward is that the other alternate title yeah (laughs) that sounds slightly wrong it does (laughs) it does Feel free to join us in the forums and tell us what you would pitch for your idea for a future queer TV cartoon. And hopefully you don't mind if somebody steals it as long as it gets made and it's good representation. (laughs) Um, Or go make it. Or go make it yourself. Mm -hmm. Do it. Mm -hmm. Do it. Go make an entire animated series entirely on your own. Yeah. That's not going to (laughs) happen. Do it you know go out there ask for the content that you don't see make the content you don't see and tell us uh tell us all about it mm-hmm. and yeah just keep going to the forums because we want to hear from you yep. all right awesome i all guess right. that's that's it we're signing off all right see you guys no more <laughs> bye queer comics podcast is a part of the geek therapy network it is mixed and edited by me, Jessica Vasquez, and co-produced by Josue Cardona. Today's podcast also features original music by Tyler Francis, so if you like what you hear, make sure to check out his Bandcamp page, linked in the description, or follow him on Instagram at tylerirl underscore. Make sure to subscribe to Queer Comics Podcast wherever you get your podcasts, and check out more shows in the Geek Therapy Network at network.geektherapy.com.